Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today, Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you? Doing well, doing good. well. We got a spy story today. Yeah, we got to find out who, who's spying on us. They're not even <laughs> spying on us. We're just supposed to explain what they, why they're spying. But that's sort of traditional. They're always spying, uh, not only on their enemies, they spy on their friends oh, yeah, and everybody more. else. I mean, <laughs> this breaking story that's happening here, it isn't just spying to find out uh, what the Russians are doing because yeah. they're, they're the defined enemy, but they're spying on Israel and everybody else, yeah. you know, and, uh, and then they spy on Zelensky. I keep thinking he shouldn't feel all that safe because, uh, you know, back in the 60s, they were spying on uh, DM. Yeah. And uh, it was the CIA that participated in his assassination. Yeah. You know? So uh, I guess when I was looking at this, Daniel, and all the activities going on, there's so-called information about we saw this, we saw this. But uh, I said, so what? Uh, they were, they were going to say, we have special forces over there. Well, you know, if somebody came up here and said, we have proof, of course, this would be a negative. We have proof that there are no special forces, no CIA agents in, yeah. in, in, in all of Ukraine. That, that, that's, that would be news if it were, if it were believable. So, it's, uh, so they're, they're coming up and, and uh, there, there's a strategy by somebody. This is supposed to help somebody and hurt somebody. Uh, you know, transparency shouldn't hurt people. So if you're anti-war, maybe there'll be something come out of here that actually, you know, lets people know that uh, uh, you know the Ukraine's not on the verge of victory. I think that's been hinted anyway, and I don't think this verified that uh, Ukraine is a lot stronger than they thought. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's uh, it's it's uh, we have to look at it and try to anticipate, and maybe we'll get more information. But it's typical stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, the what, what I'm uh, more interested in is what has our government done? Now this is not like quite like a whistleblower, you know, somebody breaking rounds. Maybe maybe it will turn out there's somebody that did this, but we don't know who really least it and what uh, maybe it was just you know our security forces spying uh, on uh, they they skipped spying on them uh, innocent American citizens they didn't have anybody on uh, to spy on maybe they still are spying on somebody from uh, January 6th information because they're still they still think they're going to arrest more people over yeah, that yeah. so the, the information uh, I, I guess the release whether the information is all that sound and exciting is going to change the world World, it's still important. Why are they doing this? That was my first question this morning when we started talking. I said, who's, who's going to benefit and who's going to suffer from this? And so far, uh, I still don't know for sure who's going to suffer the most. Yeah, the, I mean, the operative term, I think, is we don't know. And in some ways, it doesn't really matter the details. There weren't any enormous revelations. Anyone who pays remote attention to what's going on in Ukraine, anyone who bothers to look beyond the talking points put out by the Pentagon and the mainstream media, or do I repeat myself, <laughs> uh, anyone who goes beyond that, this is not going to be a huge revelation. So we don't have any answers. We don't know who did it. We don't know why exactly. But when something like this happens... Short of a real revelation like we saw from WikiLeaks, and by the way, this is the largest uh, release of classified information since WikiLeaks. I've, been, I've seen hundreds of documents, and you're right, it started with just Ukraine. I think that was on Thursday, and then more surfaced Friday and Saturday, and they dealt with China, they dealt with 
uh, East Asia. They dealt with everywhere. So the question is, we don't know who did it. We don't know why. But the process of trying to figure it out in itself is fascinating. And a couple of things that we do know, the photos of the slides. So these were photographs taken of folded up slides of the kind that the Pentagon do. They love to do these PowerPoint presentations that sort of looked like that. Um, I know a little bit about classified markings, and the markings on top did look uh, authentic, the kinds of things that you put on these documents, no foreign, N-O-F-O-R-N, for example, meaning they can't be shared with foreign, uh, non-U.S. Uh, non nationals, et cetera, et cetera. So they've been sitting around for months and maybe even longer, and all of a sudden they surfaced. Uh, the New York Times did a piece, I think, on Saturday on it. So another big question we have is, so why all of a sudden did they surface if they've been kind of percolating around in these dark corners of the Internet for weeks or even months? Why now? What does it mean? Who leaked it? Why? And we have a lot of suspects, but we know right now, if we could put on that first clip, because this is a pretty good summary on, uh, on Zero Hedge, the DOJ races to find sources of leaked Pentagon documents. Uh, the suspicion is that it was someone within the Pentagon because of the nature of the documents, Dr. Paul. They don't, these are of a classification that they don't just sort of pop around here and there. They're usually, you have to read them in a skiff, which is a very special, sensitive room. You can't just do like Sonny Berger, Sandy Berger did and shove them down your pant leg, although it appears like someone may have done that. So the long and short of it, just for my introduction, Dr. Paul, is we don't know, but that's sort of what's interesting about it. Right. You know, um we're, we're sort of discussing it so far that uh, this this has been released by experienced spies. They're shrewd and sharp, and now they have a strategy, and they're going to release it and and, and go, go on at that effort. But I keep thinking, you know, maybe maybe there's a little bit of plain old ineptness. <laughs> you know, so they're, they're they're not brilliant, and they might have done anything. You say, oh no, that's this is nothing happens by accident. But I would have to use uh, the briefcase incident with Hunter Biden yeah. as an example of that there was not a lot of strategy behind that, I don't think, but maybe, who knows, yeah. but uh, there will be some ineptness on why this thing uh, breaks through, uh, but uh, it, it's traditional, and my whole thoughts was, you know, oh, there's, there's special forces, there's FBI, CIA agents in Ukraine, and they're spying on the Russians. And then they're spying on the European. They're supply. They're spying on Zelensky. Everybody's getting a spied on. And it turned out that some of these authorities given to spy on foreigners, you know, sometimes it branches over. They actually spy on American citizens yeah. too. They set up the authority to do it. Then all of a sudden they branch out and do whatever they want. So that um, that the system is is uh, not a good system for us. And uh, unfortunately. I work under the belief that the controlling government uh, has been taken over by others and are in positions of authority who are supposed to, you know, be wise judges of how to provide liberty and protect us. Uh, there's not a whole lot of that up in Washington. Yeah, and I, I, I put together kind of a short who done it and why list, and you know, so there are a lot of possibilities that we can ponder, Dr. Paul, and one of them is. That the first one would be that this is a U.S. administration leak on purpose, meaning the Biden administration leaked this on purpose as a way of extricating itself from a failed policy in Ukraine. Uh, this provides ample material if you just look at it. And this would assume it could be accurate or inaccurate information if this is the scenario where it talks about how Ukraine is running out of, 
of air defense missiles. Uh, Ukraine is not clearly not winning, uh, et cetera, et cetera. These little things in there, if these are leaked out, it can give the U.S. administration a way out. So that's one possibility. I think the other one would be uh, that there was a single whistleblower maybe in the Pentagon, who's seeking to sober up the White House that's really drunk on, on war with Russia, which I think there are plenty of sound minds in the Pentagon. There are plenty of patriotic people in the Pentagon who are smart people and who realize, remember when, uh, 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 when uh, Scott Ritter was at our conference last year, he said that Biden is writing checks that the Pentagon can't cash. And I think there are people at the Pentagon who know that. So there could be one person uh, who's wanting to get this information out that may be possible. Who knows? Uh, it could have been leaked by Russia. The whole things could be fake. I mean, if it was, if this was a Russia link, you would have to assume that these numbers were all made up. It could be. In fact, we have um, uh, Thomas Lipscomb did a piece for Sonar 21, our friend Larry Johnson, where he's speculating that maybe it was Putin who leaked it because it provides an ample sort of legal bill of particulars about how deeply involved the U.S. government and U.S. military is in planning. And that's the one thing that struck me. And I didn't read all the documents because frankly, I don't think there was that much there and I don't like PowerPoint type of presentations. But one of the things that did strike me, if you look at some of them, is how deeply and intricately the U.S. government and the Pentagon is involved in planning Ukraine's military operations. Literally, the military forces in Ukraine are an arm of the Pentagon. Uh, and so if you want to get that out, well, this is one way to do it. You can make your legal case. This is not, uh, we're not fighting Ukraine. We're fighting NATO, which is what Putin said all along. So there's another possibility. There are many, many other ones. But you have to ask yourself, who did it? Why? Were the authentic? Uh, it certainly looks like the documents themselves were authentic in their layout. Is the information authentic? So many questions that it brings up. But it's fascinating to see. I also think that there's uh, people in the spy agencies that get a charge out of it. Yeah. I, I think it, it's sort of an emotional, psychological thing there. I read one time a long time ago, that, but I don't know if this is uh, accurate or not, but a certain percentage of people who join the military uh, have psychopathy tendencies. It's not like 50%. Yeah. It's like three, four, five percent of the people that go there really have this uh, attitude. But we have some of those people in the planning uh, stages. It just seems like they're obsessed with how are we going to get a war started yeah. with China? How yeah. are we going to get a war started with, uh, with, with Russia? But th the whole thing is, is there's all this discussion that we're going through and uh, somebody getting a charges or a whistleblower, or whose side are we on? Uh, because the prevention of this uh, and I keep thinking that we talked about preventing, you know, 20 years of war in the Middle East. And, uh, and that is just have a different foreign policy. Yeah. It, it's, uh, so, yeah, we complained a whole lot in 2014. Uh, but, of course, nobody was listening. <laughs> but this... We wouldn't have been involved. We wouldn't have gone through a coup. We wouldn't have been the one that put put these guys in charge and and gave us the excuse to spend all this money. And and uh, now they're arguing over uh, how many, which thousands of uh, of reports or people died on which side. You know who who you guys lost twenty thousand. No, you lost one hundred ten thousand. This thing going going back and forth. But it's all preventable. 
I mean, but now I see, I say, why didn't we just quit in 2014? That would have been, you know, a good thing if we just stay away from the uh, taking over and uh, taking over Ukraine and and guaranteeing all this spending and everything else. But uh, you know, to really prevent it on the long term, <laughs> you have to get a, a people who support the idea of minding our own business. You know, just not having this interventionist foreign policy and that they shouldn't believe all the lies that maybe our government tells us. You yeah. know, they do tell us a, little, a, a few lies now and then. <laughs> and, they, and, and they have to build up the danger. You have to scare you, whether it's COVID or the Russians. You have to be scared. And now now it's combined. Uh, I, right now, I guess, we're supposed to really worry more about China. Yeah. yeah. And then we see what some of our people going over there just looking for a fight, you know, over Taiwan, yeah. which which otherwise they say, oh, we'll be described as wimps and weaklings and, and not patriotic and you have to be strong. Well, maybe at times it takes strength to do the right thing and just mind your own business. Yeah. Looking for a war with China that they will lose. You know, the military will lose this war if they do it. And that will really make you look weak. <laughs> but as I mentioned, there aren't <clears throat> really many juicy bits in the information re re released. But there are a couple of things that are worth noticing, I think. One of them is, um, if we can put up the next clip, a couple of things, and just go over them really quickly because it's worth thinking about. Among other things, Friday's documents suggest Ukraine's robust Soviet-era air defenses, which have thus far minimized the participation of Russian aircraft, could run out of ammunition in the next several weeks. They are getting ground down. They're losing their ability to deter Russian uh, aircraft, and that will change the war significantly. Um, basically, we knew that. But here's another juicy one. Put this next one up, because this is something that's fascinating. Another document, a purported CIA intelligence update, claims that Israel's Mossad supported protests against Prime Minister Netanyahu's Supreme Court reform scheme. Now, Netanyahu dismissed it, saying it's mendacious and without any foundation whatsoever. Nevertheless, <coughs> if I'm Benjamin Netanyahu and I'm reading this release, I'm starting to think, well, what the heck is going on here? They say they support me, and there are a lot of people that believe the Biden administration was behind the uprising against Netanyahu that happened a couple of weeks ago. So that is really fascinating. Um, and, and the other possibility is that it is true, and there is a deeper internal conflict in Israel that could lead, who knows, to a civil war there. But, but that, that's believable. It shouldn't be a total shock. Yeah. Because when you think that the United States, the leader of the free world, you, you know, they, they participate in, the, in that, too. They, uh, they, they end up, uh, you know, participating just in, in, in spying on our own people. So it's, it's, a, it's something that uh, it's a, it's, we shouldn't be t too surprised of what, uh, what happens here because uh, uh, it happens. We've done it and they've done it. And uh, yet it has to be a surprise and it has to be fear. Yeah. And, and uh, you better get ready. So, uh, but then again, I just keep going back. Don't sweat it. Yeah. It's going to end. <laughs> and right now, daily you read about what week is the dollar going to end as a reserve currency? Yeah. What week will we lose a uh, military battle? Well, when when has there? Been, I guess since World War II, we really don't win wars anymore. No. And, uh, 
I, I don't want to win war. I want to avoid them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the other thing that came out is the um, is this evidence that the Pentagon is relying on bogus KIA numbers and wounded in action numbers. Um, and what's interesting about that is, and it's also dangerous, is if you look at the document, it shows that the source of the killed and wounded on Ukraine's side uh, and on the Russian side is given to them by Ukrainian officials. So if you believe Ukraine's officials, they obviously, even if they're honest people, they have all the incentive in the world to minimize their killed and wounded. But if you take that as gospel, and if you actually, if you look at the document, um, the intelligence community says we view this as something with very low level of confidence. So we don't even have confidence in it, yet we're passing it on. Yet it's being passed to the media that they have much lower killed in action than has been widely thought and even admitted um, by some in the Pentagon. So that's, a, that's another fascinating thing. And the other would be, um, of course, that we're spying. And you're right, I mean, this is not a revelation, but we're spying on South Korea. Uh, we have an internal discussion in our intelligence community about how South Korea seems to be wary of handing over more weapons. Of course, they have a policy to not send weapons to a war zone. So all of these things are coming out. Again, I guess the final word in my mind is why and to what end and what, is, what, is it, you know, what does it mean? <laughs> Who's responsible? Yeah. And I think, I think something more will come of it, and then we'll look back and, oh, now, now we understand the strategy a little bit differently. Uh, but I still hold back that, that the, there's always the possibility of pure stupidity yeah, 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 is yeah. doing it. And it's also part of, the, uh, part of the strategy of cultural Marxists, so, you know, whether it's domestic or international, if they can create, create chaos, so they're not interested in in national defense and protecting whistleblowers and all these other things, they uh, they like chaos and it's done on purpose. And because you know, some of the things done is well, it's been done in bipartisan, but really with the with the group that we have in charge right now. There's no other no other reason you can even conceive of. How can they be that? They can't be that dumb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the the energy policy has to be one of the ones. And yeah. now they're now they're taking what the uh, uh, the the cooking cooking utensils away from it. All these things we're going to take take it away, and that's what's going to save the world. Yeah, but uh, it's disgusting. It's cookie. Well, <laughs> let's move on. You know, and we'll keep an eye on this, and we'll we'll, we'll update it. You know this week as things happen. But let's go to that next clip. This is the next story, and this is from our good friends at antiwar.com. Um, keep going if you can. One more, and one more, actually. There we go. This is from Kyle Anzalone. U.S. will threaten Europe to implement sanctions on Russia. Now, this sounds a little bit like desperation, Dr. Paul, because we've, even while we're blowing up their pipelines, <laughs> we're still pretending that we're good buddies. Um, and by the way, I did want to say that about these leaks. I mean, uh, a, 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 an administration will blow up pipelines, will blow up anything. So we should, nothing should be off the table. But if you can put that back up. Um, so when we're trying to strong arm the Europeans, because the Europeans are desperate. They're trying to find a way to, you know, to get enough oil. They rely on Russia for a lot of things. Uh, uranium is one. There are many, many things. There's too much to go into. But here's what Kyle wrote in Anti-War. The White House plans to send a clear message to its European partners now, Dr. Paul, you tell me where you remember this from. Uh, in the economic war against Russia, quote, you're either with us or against <laughs> us. Does that remind you of a former did, president? Did he set the standard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how he figured that out. If you're yeah. not with us, you're against us. Yeah. <laughs> well, originally it's from the Bible, but it had a way different context back then. But here's what it's all about. And put this next one up. 
Um, Treasury officials Liz Rosenberg and Brian Nelson are going to Europe and they're going to meet with financial leaders in Switzerland, Italy, and Germany. And they're going to give a simple message. One, you either continue to provide Moscow with material support, or two, you can keep doing business with countries that represent 50% of the global economy. Uh, I don't know, Dr. Paul, how this, you know, tub thumping and roaring around like a bull in a china shop, I don't know how effective it is anymore. Yeah, that's for sure. But you know, the one thing that uh, I have noticed that others have not grabbed hold of as a principle that I've talked about and you endorse, I believe, and that is sanctions are, you know, this far, it is part of the war effort. Yeah. What's the first thing they do? They they blockade and they destroy trade as soon as you have a war before the shooting even starts. Yeah. So, but the sanctions you know, are a major event. And of course, the frustration we found when we were in Washington is uh, some of the progressives who would work with us and say, okay, we won't vote for uh, money to send more kids off to some war in Iraq or something. And they'd go along with that. But they would do anything that was a sanction. They believed it was not a war issue. And I think people should realize that the only way I could get somebody to think about it would be, what if, (laughs) that's a big one, what if they do it to us? What what if we get weaker and they start putting sanctions on us? You know, there's going to be a lot of people have more, there, there will be more justification in their mind to do something about it. Now they justify doing it as a preventative, and that's why uh, we've got to put the sanctions on before before they put before they get any stronger. So uh, we, we're just aggravating, but it's just not in Europe. You know, just just think of uh, what we're doing to try to interfere with all kinds of trade with uh, with China, and yet behind the scenes they still do a whole lot of it. A lot of it is uh, you, you know bombastic and plan to their base yeah absolutely well before we go on i do want to mention our our sponsor of the show and we talk a lot about crumbling infrastructure we've got trains derailing all the time we've got bridges falling down we've got roads disintegrating if you ever drive out there you know how bad things are well our friends at fourpatriots.com have a solution they understand that not only are the train tracks in trouble but the power grid is in trouble it's more vulnerable than ever whether by sabotage by a bad guy or just downright falling apart, which we see over and over. If a major uh, destruction comes in the power grid, you're talking months without power. The people at 4Patriots.com have a solution, and one of the best solutions is the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. Uh, Not only is it a useful generator, it goes with you. It's a solar generator that doesn't plug into your house or not hardwired into your house. You take it with you wherever you need to go. Enter Ron for a 10% discount on this and all of the products at 4Patriots.com. If you run out of power and you have medical devices, you want to keep your phones charged, you want to keep your food from rotting, you're going to need a generator like the ones that 4Patriots.com provides. So go to 4Patriots.com and enter in Ron. There is a link in the description of the show. Make it quick and easy. And, of course, free shipping, as always, on all orders, $97 and above. And Dr. Paul, thinking, talking about disasters, here's a disaster coming up with the GOP. If you can put this next one up, we, saw that we both saw this on Politico this morning, and they've got a new idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great idea. We need to invade Mexico. We need to bomb Mexico. 
Here we go. GOP embraces a new foreign policy. Bomb Mexico to stop fentanyl. I don't know about that. It'll be interesting to find out what about, about the progressives, the ones that will vote against the spending and vote against bombing, yeah. but they will vote for sanctions. This is one step more. This is this is you know, powerful sanctioning if you don't do what we do. And that is a, that is a mess, but uh, I, I, I don't think fighting the war on drugs is a whole lot different than it's always been before, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, it's serious, but there's been serious problems with drugs forever, and nobody has shown me uh, where <clears throat> the government role in, in fighting this war on drugs has ever been beneficial. Because there's somebody, there's a lot of people who uh, think that uh, drug wars are good, the price goes up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they make more money. That's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe, and, and it gives a justification to, uh, for the people who uh, p- patrol the borders of Mexico. I understand about a third of the Mexican people, you know, are controlled, uh, you know, by the drug war. And, yeah. and the people who run run drugs, but uh, to, to think that <laughs> to think that bombing is the answer—that's how militant this system is. I don't I don't have anybody in in front of me, but uh, believe me, there'll be plenty of Republicans. <laughs> I'd like to see the breakdown yeah. on that. What, what the percentage of Republicans support it? Because we are getting, you know, a little bit of a sign that this, there's a group of of uh, libertarian uh, leaning Republicans. That uh, may think, hey, that's that's over the top. Yeah. But the, but the, the, but to do that. But I thought, you know, back back when I was in office in the '90s, I represented a a very very uh, Bible Belt district. Yeah. But I and I detest drugs for political reasons and and uh, medical reasons. Yeah. But uh, somebody, you know, and I came out against the drug war, and it was shocking to me <laughs> that so many people agreed with yeah, me. Yeah. People just weren't afraid; they were afraid to say it. Yeah. You know, and all you had to do was run into somebody who who was sent to prison for a long time, and uh, their infraction was not all that serious. It was sort of like smoking a cigarette. or drinking too much beer or something. A lot of problems in this were a lot of imperfections, but uh, I would say that our imperfections will not be helped by bombing them. Yeah. Well, that's what Mexico's president did say a couple of weeks ago. You know, you're the ones that are desperate for these drugs. You guys have a problem over there, you know, and and the market is taking care of your demand. But, you know, this sort of strikes me as, you know, a couple of things. First of all, we always have to have an enemy. And so we're losing this enemy. We need to have Mexico as the enemy. But it's also the danger of normalizing war and normalizing violence. The U.S. has become like a petulant child. We're going to smash our hands down and say, oh, yeah, if we don't like your drugs, we're going to bomb you. You know, and it's just this weird obsession with it. But let's look it down. You wanted to see who's behind it. If we can go to this next clip really quick. Um, it's some of the usual suspects. Dan Crenshaw, remember him from Texas? <laughs> they call him the one on McCain. I but guess. Any, yeah. <laughs> Mike Waltz, very, very hawkish. They've introduced a bill seeking authorization for the use of force to put us at war with the cartels. Good luck with that. Tom Cotton, who's also a usual, usual suspect, said he's open to sending U.S. troops into Mexico to target drug lords, even without that nation's permission. That is called an invasion. That is called a war of aggression, right? <laughs> that is called illegal. But if you go forward, you'll, you know, it's, only, it's legal if we do it, though, right? But if you go forward, now Trump has been very big on this. He's puffed himself up about the drug war. Uh, and this may be Trump being Trump. Who knows? 
but it's, it's a pretty dumb idea. But here's a response from the Mexican president. If you can go to the next one. Um, Mexican President Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador is openly against any U.S. military involvement in his country to take on the cartels. He says, in addition to being irresponsible, it is an offense to the people of Mexico, he said. And of course, any leader of any self-respecting country would not be happy about being invaded by another country. That's just a natural thing. But one thing that struck me is, think about this for a second, Dr. Paul, and you might think that I've been smoking something before the show, but trust me, I haven't. But just imagine a scenario where they get more hawkish on this and they start getting aggressive toward Mexico and Obrador calls up Putin and says, hey, I've got a, I've got a threat next door. Um, we need to have some support over here, it's just like what we did with Ukraine. I mean, they could literally, you know, move their alliances over to this new emerging China, Iran, Russia, BRICS kind of thing. That would really be a huge danger for the U.S. Right. You know, um, people's values uh, are very important here because drugs have been around for a long time. And certain families, uh, you know, do not have problems. A lot of them do. I know how, how extensive it is. But uh, if it, it really falls on the parents to, you know, describe where dangers. That's the very first thing you do with children is you teach where you da danger. I can remember how often with a child or a grandchild that teaching them about a road, this is what you do. You look both ways, you know, but we don't have enough of that because too many people follow Hillary and say, you know, the, the government, the village has to take care of them. So they're teaching the values, too. And all you have to do is look at the schools. And that's what they're doing. They're teaching teaching values and they're responsible. So that has a lot to do with it, because these kids minds have to be so twisted. You yeah. think you think drugs tw twist their minds. I think uh, what twists their mind is some of the things they're teaching the morals that they're teaching in these schools that's why that's the wrong place for your kids to learn it and uh, there are you know there are some good schools and good teachers that still exist out there and they struggle but there's a lot of mischief and nonsense but, but people don't say well but who, who's really responsible if, if there is a danger there's so many dangers in the world whether it's automobiles or smoking well what if it comes out that uh, that more people die from drinking alcohol yeah. and accident with alcohol I mean, what, what, what are we going to do about that, yeah. you know? <clears throat> don't, don't, I used to suggest things like that and then go and do it, you know? <laughs> you know, don't do this, but, but we'll, we'll handle that problem. We'll add, a, add them to the list. So this is, uh, this is something that's going to be around a while, but this, this is over the top. But I am absolutely convinced, Daniel, since our program is going to be out there, they're never going to mention this again because they have found out that it's such a silly, dumb idea. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> well, I'm just going to close out if you put on that last clip just by reminding, as I will continue to do, then on June 3rd in Houston, they lie, nihilism and the war on truth. We're going to have some great speakers. I will talk about a couple of our speakers later in the week. If you watch the Liberty Report, you will be familiar with some of the speakers we're having at this conference. It's going to be a great event, June 3rd. There is a link in the description. And if you go to ronpaulinstitute.org, you'll also see a link on how you can find out more, get your tickets, join us. I was happy to see, Dr. Paul, that we sold some tickets over the weekend, even though it's Easter weekend. We're doing pretty well. We got a lot of host committee members, and that's for people who want to be more <coughs> involved and have a VIP experience. And you can email me about that if you click on the link 
with more information. So things are going pretty well so far. Very good. You know, uh, we started off our program today about leaking information from our spies and telling us what's, what's really going on. And things, uh, the shift is not good. I still uh, remain optimistic that there is a remnant out there that people will respond favorably and there's a majority. It's just that uh, we've allowed ourselves to be ruled by others. We've been too complacent. But uh, eventually it's going to get to the point where the leaks have to be leaking information about liberty. Yeah. Oh, we have a secret here. You know, actually, that's what happened under tough times. I mean, what, what, what was it like in the Soviet system? They had to be very cautious, but they did leak information. I think the funniest thing about the, the dictatorial system of the Soviets was that they, their information, when they were talking to an ally, that they just mocked it. They didn't believe anything the government said. And you know what? Not too many. Once that broke loose, and it lasted probably a decade, then the then the imp, they they laughed them out of business. Yeah. Then the then the system just collapsed. So we start we're going to have to start leaking the information about liberty is all about. And I think that's what we try to do. But we want to broadcast too. And uh, and that's one thing I'm convinced that you can get the message out. If the founders could do it with a pamphlet and passing out pamphlets, we ought to be able to get it out with the technology we have now. At the beginning of the technological age, I said the libertarians are good. They know about computers and internet. They're going to come up with alternatives to be able to counteract all the usurpation of our rights from the government. And some of that is true, but uh, I, I just think that people probably one-on-one -on -one is one of the better ways to do it if you want a concrete convert. And of course, small conferences and meetings I think is beneficial rather than the very, very large crowds. Even though I was pleased when a large crowd would come and want to hear about liberty. But no, it's a small group of people and that's why we have our conferences. To come and find out and pick, uh, pick the brains of the people that they respect and find out you know, what, what is available. And I think the other reason to come to conferences like that that I found many years that I did this before I ever ran for Congress, I'd go to a conference, especially uh, for uh, Leonard Reed ran. And it was getting to know people. Some of the people I met back then there 30, 40 years ago, before there was a libertarian party or all, have remained you know, close friends and allies. And that's what happens at these conferences. People do make friends, and at least you can sort of relax and say, well, n nobody's going to cancel me. I think I'm going to say what I want to say. But anyway, I, I think it's, it's great uh, when uh, we can put things out because as far as I'm concerned, it's the message uh, that we need and it's, it's, uh, the ideas are a lot more powerful than bombs to try to stop the drug war. Okay, I want to thank everybody today for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.